0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life. They were far from the Sydonians and they had no ties with anyone. Looks like easy prey here, doesn't it? Verse 8. Then the spies came to their brethren at Zorah and Eshtaol, and their brethren said to them, What is your report? So they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. When you go, you will come to a secure people in a large land, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. But man, we got a good land. This is going to be awesome. These people are going to be so easy to take. Oh, and uh, the, the priest over here said, we, we got it. He says, we can do it. I'm sorry, did you go see that, that shrine in there that he's playing with, and you trust this guy? So they report a good land. They think they're going to have the right to get it. These people are living quietly. They have no one to come to their aid. No one's going to be there to help protect them. What is the reason for striking them? Why go in there with arms and go after and to, to kill these people? Why? They're, they're, they pose no threat. They're living in peace. They're quiet. What kind of warriors are these to attack a people who aren't doing anything to anybody, especially people that have no protection? This isn't a good choice to make. Ultimately, God never gave them permission to attack. I never see that in Scripture. Well, the priest said, go attack. The priest is messed up. He's, he's serving around idols and shrines with an ephod on it. I don't trust him. It's not right. Judges 18.11. And 600 men of the family of the Danites went from there, from Zorah and Eshtael, armed with weapons of war. Then they went up and encamped in Kirjath-Jerim in Judah. Therefore, they call that place Mahan- Dan to this day. There it is west of Kirjath-Jerim. And they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to their brethren, Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You know what's in here? (laughs) Now, therefore, consider what you should do. Verse 15. So they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite man, to the house of Micah and greeted him. The 600 men armed with their weapons of war, who were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up. Entering there, they took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with weapons of war. When these men went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, be quiet, put your hand over your mouth, and come with us, be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man, or that you be a priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? So the priest's heart was glad. (laughs) And he took the ephod, the household idols, and the carved image and took his place among the people. Then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock, and the goods in front of them. This priest is a sellout. Money, money. So 600 armed men are burglarizing Micah's place. <laughs> they're, they're, they're robbing him. Y'all remember what Micah did to his mom? Oh, just saying. Now he's getting stolen from, (laughs) but when the Levite priest asks him, what what are you doing? They basically tell him to shut up, hush, but they offer him a better job. And so the priest goes from, what are you doing to, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) You see how quickly he changed at the money? You know, you can't serve God and money. You can't, you pick one, you can't do both. Guys, look what's going on. He's chasing the money they offer him a better job. Rent-a-priest. This is a -a rent-a-priest. Follow the money. And now he's not just following the money, but now he's also a thief now, cleaning Micah out. And Micah's the guy, remember, he stole from his own mom, but now everything's being stolen from him by a bunch of fools who are about to attack people that they were never given permission, nor were they ordered to strike. Do y'all see how sin and corruption gets worse as it infects more and more people. This story began with Micah. And now look who's being infected. 600 and the spies and the priest. Everybody's, everybody's tearing each other up now. Kind of reminds me of our culture today, doesn't it? Now in verse 21, it says they put the kids and the stolen items in front of them because they were anticipating that Micah would probably try to come after his stuff that they just stole. So they put a guard in the rear. That's why they put the goods and the children up front, because they figure Micah's going to be coming, let's get ready for him. Micah's going to go bypass them. Watch this. Judges 18.22. When they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they called out to the children of Dan. So they turned around and said to Micah, what ails you that you have gathered such a company? So he said, you have taken away my gods, which I made and the priest, and you have gone away. Now, what more do I have? How can you say to me, what ails you? And the children of Dan said to him, do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you and you lose your life with the lives of your household. Then the children of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw they were too, that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. He lost it all, Micah. Lost it. Micah knew he wasn't strong enough to fight the rear guard, so he ran ahead only to be threatened by them that he better just let it go. It's better for you to just let it go. Y'all hold on to that thought. It's better that you let it go. <laughs> Oh, in Micah's mind, he just lost everything. What more do I have? He cried. He thought he had bought his righteousness, and now he thinks he's losing God's favor because he just lost everything he had with which he used to buy righteousness from God. Judges 18 and 27. So they took the things Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and went to Laish to a people quiet and secure. And they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there. And they called the name of the city Dan. After the name of Dan, their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city was formerly was Laish. Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves, not for God, did you see that? They set up for themselves. Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. Okay, a lot of things just came to a conclusion here on us. They set up a center of worship under their new stolen Levite priest to orchestrate all their worship according to idolatry. It's a bad scenario. When you set up your worship in idolatry. You ever been to a concert? People are going like this, man. They're going like this. You know what this is? This is a posture of praise. That's what this is. This is praise. And, and they're going like that. Now, I've seen a picture, a snapshot of a concert crowd, and they were all going like that. You couldn't hear what was being played. You didn't know who was on the stage. You don't know if it was a bad concert or if it was a praise concert. You don't know. But the people were just going like this, and they're going like that and all this stuff. I mean, the posture's the same. But in our culture today, people are setting up their worship in idolatry or praise. Where are you? You can see here they set it up in idolatry. And you notice how verse 30 says that Jonathan's priestly line ran all the way up until what? Until the captivity. Until the captivity. This means that God did away with them. He did away with that priestly line because it wasn't good. Snuffed it out. Verse 31 says that they set up the shrine for who? For God. They set it up for themselves. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is what makes me feel good. This is what I like. Idolatry. They set it up for themselves all along. The house of God was in Shiloh. They didn't set up anything for God. If they had wanted to serve the Lord the true and right way, they would have gone to Shiloh where the house of God was at, where the tabernacle was at. Shiloh is where the tabernacle was that housed the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God rested. But because of idolatry, the people in Dan are no longer coming into the presence of God. They're doing their own thing. Friends, I want to come into the presence of God. Not into the presence of idolatry. It'll mess you up. They set up false idols for themselves. Why? Because there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The rot has spread through the entire barrel. All the apples are bad. And this isn't just the case for Israel. It's the present situation with our entire nation right now. And it, it it saddens me, it really does. And it even saddens me even more that at one time, I was one of the guys that contributed to the rot before I was saved. The whole world's in this too. Even the church, I'm going to say it, even the church has become dark with idolatry, declaring that sin is no longer sin. There's a lot of churches saying, that's okay now, that's okay now, that's okay now. They're hanging up an ephod. With idols. And that's the shrine. And just because the church has a godly form to it, like the, like the priest did, just because the church has a godly form to it, everybody trusts whatever the church says. The men, they trusted the Levite priest. Hey, the Lord's with you. Okay, let's go. They trusted what he said because he had a godly form. There's a lot of churches that have a godly form, but they're playing with idolatry. Don't just trust them. What they say. Now, remember, I told you the priest's identity is a surprise. Now, so far, through most of the story, he's just been called the man or Levite priest, but we finally discover his name in verse 30. Did you see it? It says Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. Friends, in the original Hebrew text, that name is not Manasseh. Well, I see it in my Bible, Ray. I know you see it in your Bible. The original Hebrew text does not say Manasseh. The original Hebrew text says Moses. uh Uh-oh. Something happened somewhere. Let me show you 1 Chronicles 23.15. The sons of Moses were Gershom and Eliezer. What is going on? What happened? Moses' son was Gershom. And now look at Jonathan. He's the son of Gershom. And so who is this priest? He is the grandson of Moses. Now we know why in verse 3 that it says the men recognized his voice. This man, this guy, has a very close line in with Moses. He's probably very well known. He's in Israel back near Moses' time. Moses' grandson. They're going to listen to him. What are you doing up here? What brings you this way? They heard and they recognized him. They're like, hey that's Jonathan, that's Moses' grandson. Whatever he says, I'm going to trust it, let's go do it. Now there's a lot of debate among theologians. You're wondering why did Manasseh change Moses in here? There's a lot of debate among lots of theologians, and it gets real big and complicated, and I've seen both sides of the argument, and I see what they're saying. But let me just say this, the original text says Moses. Why did it end up Manasseh in my Bible? I think they argue this, that a scribe, they think, changed the word Moshe or Moses to Manasseh because somebody somewhere felt they had to spare Moses the embarrassment and the humiliation of a grandson who became an idolater. Somebody was very embarrassed and took it very personal that just two generations after Moses, this bad of a thing could happen, so they changed it. Now, I know what it says in your New King James, but you go look and you go to Blue Letter Bible, look at the original Hebrew text, that name is Moses. Now they're arguing about trying to spare Moses the humiliation of an idolater grandson, but I think they may be missing the point here because this demonstrates just how fast sin can corrupt. That just two generations down, you're already this bad. From Moses to this sin corrupts quickly. Wow. That's why his name was kept from us. It was the big hello moment at the end. This is Moses' grandson. Oh, that ought to hit us hard. Why is he doing this? Sin corrupts. And this is this culture of supposed believers that we have today. People claiming that Jesus is their Lord, but they're chasing false idols. Driven by a love of money, but they're not chasing Jesus. They're not pursuing Him. They're not pursuing the Lord. And such people think that being rich and getting popular and having money means that they can buy God's favor. They think they can buy God's righteousness while they've got one little bitty ephod hanging with an enormous shrine of idols that they have devoted their lives to. The reason they do this is because they're doing what is right in their own eyes. They're not listening to a king. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Let me give you an easy equation to live your life by. Every time you think something is right, stop and pray. Ask God first. (laughs) Your first knee-jerk reaction is probably wrong. Micah thought he could buy a priest to get God's righteousness. Wrong. Friends, you cannot buy the righteousness of God. It is not for sale. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You don't buy gifts. You're given a gift. God's righteousness is not for sale. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to buy it. Romans 3.24 tells us that we are declared righteous by God for free through the grace of Messiah Jesus. And so you have to repent, walk away from your past life to get to a new life in Christ. You have to leave it behind. But Ray, if I repent, then I'd pretty much lose everything. Yeah, that's what Micah said. I lost it all. You're going to lose it all. Well, I don't want to lose it all. Friends, I'll tell you what more you have, because Micah said, what more do I have? I'll tell you what more you have. If you want a blessing of God, you have to stop doing things the way you think is right. You've got the Lord God. Do it His way. Don't listen to the corrupted culture out there that just tells you what you want to hear, because they want to help you build your shrine. Micah's mother wasn't looking out for the best godly interests of her son. She's like, help me build my shrine, good little boy. The world will tell you that the sin you're committing is okay because they want to help you build a shrine, not godliness. Don't listen. Mom was an enabler. Don't listen to the crazy enablers that say you should be rewarded and blessed while you're actually doing what God's Word says is sin. And don't obey people just because they're famous with a big name. Like Jonathan, oh yeah, we'll trust you, we'll listen to you. Big name doesn't mean anything. You don't do anything unless God tells you to do it. You don't strike unless God tells you to strike. You don't move unless God tells you to move. You don't stay still unless God tells you to stay still. Well, th- this guy with all these credentials, and he's well, what, real well known, he told me, I, I, I don't care. What did God tell you? Now, we've seen all these scenarios playing out in our study, or, study here, and they've all turned out bad. So let's listen to some godly truth now. You have to lose everything. You have to lose it all. You have to lose that entire shrine of idols that you have set up for yourself. Remember, they set it up for themselves, not for God. Let it all go, the whole thing. I can't do that. Well, look what happened to Micah. He lost it anyway. You'll end up like Micah. He lost it all because he did what he thought was right in his own eyes in those days there was no king in Israel the danites needed someone who could fight for their inheritance but they did what was right in their own eyes because they didn't have a king so they did what was right in their own eyes to fight for it themselves since in their, in those days there was no king in Israel friend if you want victory and blessing in your life then understand that you cannot obtain it according to what is right in your own eyes but the good news is that in these days There is a king for us. That's good news. Revelations 19.16 says, He has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. There's your king. I'm so excited about that. But still today, there is no king in Israel because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And therefore, the Jews reject Jesus as Messiah. And still today, it causes a lot of trouble. We need to pray for Israel, that they see that Jesus is the Messiah. But I'm thankful that Jesus offers himself to whosoever, Jew and Gentile, whosoever bows to him as king, even though his throne is not yet here filled on earth. We can still bow to the Lord's heavenly throne. It's like two worlds. He's not here on the throne in Israel yet, but you can bow to the one in heaven. Guys, I'm telling you, you're going to have to lose what you've enshrined for yourself here. I don't want to lose it. It will be taken away. It is better to let it go than to have it snatched from your hands. Today, you've got the opportunity to do what's right and release it. Well, I'm still not ready. Michael wasn't ready either, and he lost it. I'd rather give it to God than have my enemy take it. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord God, we pray for those who are not yet ready, who have not been ready to release the shrine that they have built for themselves. They've got all these things. I've worked on this for so long. I I saved up for this. I man, I put a lot of time into that. I can't let it go. I've got too much in it. Lord, they have to let it go. And it doesn't cover it up to hang an ephod by it. Oh look how godly it looks now. No, you got to get rid of it all. The idols have to be gone. Lord God, I can't convey this to people, Lord God, through your Spirit. Holy Spirit of God, tell them. They have to repent, and they got to get out of there. They're going to lose it. And it's going to be public, and it's going to hurt, and they're going to walk away like Micah going, what do I do? Lord, I'm telling them what they can do. Let's tell them together, Lord God, what they need to do is bow the knee to the king to the one who has the authority to fight for them, who has won their inheritance for them. And give us that discernment that we need to know how to walk rightly. Lord God, I pray for somebody, somebody somewhere, they're coming to a decision. Yeah, it's time for me to let it go. I don't know what I'm going to do, but Lord, I will trust you because you are God. You're not just an appearance of, you are God. Lord, we have studied your word. We have seen what it says, I pray. convict. Pressure, whatever you got to do, Lord, what you're drawing to get people to repent and believe in the gospel. Thank you, Lord God, that it's your work. It's not up to me to convince. I put it in your hands, Father God, your power. In Jesus' name, amen.